Pint of Belhaven best, please. He nodded to two old codgers sitting with a collie dog over in the corner, then cast his eyes round the otherwise empty room. The public bar in the Castle Inn hadn't changed much in the twenty years since he left the village. The fruit machine was new, and the barman looked as if he was young enough to be playing truant from school, but otherwise everything was pretty much as he remembered it. "'Just passing through, sir,' the barman said, as he placed Bob's brimming pint on the counter. "'Just popping down the coast for a game of golf, are you? Nice day for it.' Bob eased himself onto a bar stool. "'No, I've only come down from Edinburgh to pay someone a quick visit, as a matter of fact.' "'Is that right? Got friends in the village, have you? I will. I'll likely know them. We get them all in here, you know.' As much as he knew that the young fellow was only trying to make polite conversation, Bob couldn't resist an acerbic quip. Uh, "'You won't get this one in here any more, son. She's pushing up daisies from six feet under the graveyard.' The barman was clearly taken aback. Uh, "'No offence, all right. I mean, I didn't mean to be nosy-like. I was only—' "'Only trying to make conversation?' "'Yeah, I understand. No offence taken, okay?' Bob took a long, deep draught of the tawny brew. Ah, bloody marvellous! He dipped his chin and masked a burp behind his hand. No, I was just having a wee look at old Bertie MacGregor's gravestone, actually. Just sort of paying my respects to old Bertie. Old Bertie, the barman echoed, his tone as sombre as his look. The village will take a long time to get over what happened to her. A terrible tragedy. The two old boys in the corner nodded their acquiescence. Aye, a terrible tragedy. Terrible. And that sudden, too. Suddenly was certainly how the notice in the deaths column of the local paper had described her passing at the time, as Bob recalled. And true enough, death usually didn't come any more suddenly than via a belt on the side of the head with a garden spade. Bob had been on duty at HQ in Edinburgh that evening, sitting with a leith hooker, sifting through wads of mugshots in a forlorn attempt to identify some guy who had punched her in the chops after doing the business, and then buggered off with the thirty quid he'd slipped her up front. The phone on his desk rang. "'Let me speak to Detective Sergeant Burdens,' the voice on the other end said. "'You're speaking to him. What's your problem?' "'DCI Spears here, Burdens. Get yourself out here to Rudlands Hospital in Harrington at the double. There's been—' uh, "'Excuse me, Chief, but I can't. I'm right in the middle of investigating an alleged GBH against a— "'Screw your GBH, Burdens! Delegate one of your coppers to look after that shit for you. That's what they're there for. And get your arse out here smartish.' There's been a bloody murder, and as for right now, you're on the case. Bob didn't have to be told a third time, not when his boss was in that kind of mood. He was a mean, arrogant bastard, Jack Spears, but a bloody good tech, who had clawed his way up the force from rock bottom and wouldn't think twice about booting any of his subordinates all the way back down there if they didn't cut mustard. Bob cleared the city and covered the twenty miles to the old market town of Haddington in as many minutes. Blue lights flashing, 
siren wailing the lot. He still got a schoolboyish kick out of that, a feeling of power, of unchallenged superiority, watching gobsmacked pedestrians stop and gape as he silver-stoned his white Mondeo through the scattering traffic. He'd even been known to employ the complete lights-and-siren dodge to carve through the rush-hour gridlock on his way home for his evening meal when he first made it into the CID. But time and eventual promotion had long since put paid to that caper. Now he usually didn't get home for an evening meal at all. He pulled off the A-1 and through the gates of the hospital, just as the midsummer sun was starting to dip behind the topmost branches of the tall oaks that shaded the sprawling grounds. It was just after eight o'clock, and long shadows were already falling over the scatter of single-storey pavilions.